if I can help my founders cut down what would be 10 or 15 conversation with big enterprise into one or two conversations through the connections that we have, arguably, I think it can speed up the time that it would take them to close a potential customer. More and more customers translate to revenue, revenue translate to growth in the business, translates to valuation growth, everybody's happy today. You are listening to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur, a podcast for founders with ambitious ideas. Venture capital investors and other early believers tell you relatable, insightful, and authentic stories to help you realize your vision. Hello, and welcome to the Sure Shot Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Gopi Rangan. My guest today is Mikey Kalis. He's a principal at Counterpart Ventures. We're going to talk to him about how he came into the world of venture capital. He's an Australian. He lived in Silicon Valley, but he decided to move out of Silicon Valley, and he now lives in Southern California. Why did he come to Silicon Valley, and why did he leave Silicon Valley? We're going to talk to him about that. We're also going to talk to him about how his Counterpart Ventures different from other VC firms. There's a strong angle to involve corporate venture capital groups as a community at Counterpart and how they do that, why they do that, how is it helpful for startup in the ecosystems. We're going to talk about many of those topics as well. Mikey, welcome to the SureShot Entrepreneur. Hi, Gopi. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Let's start with you. Tell us about yourself. You're originally Australian and you decided to come to Silicon Valley. How did that happen? That's right. I'm originally from Perth, Western Australia, born and raised. I moved to San Francisco to join Counterpart Ventures at the beginning of our first fund in 2018. In my prior role, I traveled to San Francisco quite a bit, and I'd always been, ever since I graduated from my master's degree at the University of Western Australia, I'd always been involved in tech and innovation and entrepreneurship. I helped create a startup competition in Australia many years ago, which is now turned into a week-long festival for startups and innovation in the city of Perth. As I said, I'd always been involved in tech and innovation and got to know one of the GPs at Counterpart Ventures, Patrick Egan, when he was previously at Qualcomm Ventures, when he took a trip to Perth, Western Australia to sponsor this competition and event that I'd created. We got to know each other that way and kept in touch for many, many years, which led to me visiting him in 2018 at the beginning of Counterpart Ventures and offered me a role to come in and somewhat of an apprenticeship where I started off at the fund. And in the early days of building a fund, as you're very familiar, Gopi, with Shore Ventures, you do a little bit of everything. So for me, it was a tough time being part of an early stage fund. You got to see a lot, but also it was very rewarding as we've seen now we're almost six plus years into Counterpart Ventures. And it's been, as I said, very rewarding. That was really how I got into venture capital through Patrick himself and through always being, as I said, associated with tech and innovation and entrepreneurship, dating all the way back to Perth, Western Australia, which, mind you, is the most isolated major city in the world. So coming from Perth to the home of tech and innovation and entrepreneurship and venture capital in Silicon Valley was quite a journey, but as I said, very, very rewarding. I have so many questions, but let's start with Perth. How do you describe Mm -hmm. the ecosystem? And you were instrumental in creating a community there for startups. I wouldn't go that far, but Perth itself is a very sleepy, beachy, lovely city, beautiful place to grow up in. All my family and friends are still there. The tech and innovation ecosystem is growing. Thankfully, there's some wonderful people that are doing great things in that city, particularly people that I had previously worked with and a few venture capital funds have popped up over the last couple of years, which were sort of supporting the ecosystem, but a lot of great people there. So the community, I would say, is growing. 
unfortunately, as you create your company and if you're an entrepreneur based in Perth, you eventually realize that I have to move to the east coast of Australia, Sydney or Melbourne, where VC funds are based. Most of the capital going into startups is coming from the east coast. I was reading a report recently, 61% of VC funding in 2023 came from the state of New South Wales, particularly the city of Sydney. And this is a report from the group Cutthroat Ventures, which does a very good job of surveying VC funds in the ecosystem in Australia. If you're a founder of a tech company and ultimately you grow the business, eventually you head to the East Coast. It's the nature of creating a company out of Western Australia as much as I would like it to not be that way. It tends to end up happening that way. Canva is a great example. Melanie and Cliff O'Brecht who started the company are both born and raised in Perth, but eventually went East Coast and now the company is headquartered in Sydney. But that happens more often than not, as I said. It's just the nature of it. But as I said, there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of entrepreneurship that goes on in Perth. And I, I hope it continues to be fostered and that at least the private sector continues to step up. There's a huge mining community in Western Australia, a lot of money, a lot of wealth that could be put into tech and innovation. And I'm, I'm hoping that examples of what's going on in Sydney can come back to Perth in Western Australia and occur over there as well. So hoping one day that will happen. Perth to Silicon Valley. What did you like about Silicon Valley? What was exciting for you when you came to Silicon Valley? So growing up in Perth, it's the nature that you do tend to look either to the East Coast or abroad overseas for career opportunities. And I was fortunate enough to have the experience with my prior job to have traveled to San Francisco a couple of times and been enamored by the tech and venture capital innovation ecosystem. Thankfully, I had prior roles where I worked with VCs, I worked with tech companies. I think San Francisco is the pinnacle ecosystem of both the venture capital and entrepreneurial ecosystem anywhere in the, around the world. So eventually, if you really wanted to get into the industry that I'm in now, venture capital, then you have to make your way over to San Francisco. So on prior trips, I had the good fortune of networking and building good relationships with VCs. My prior role to joining Counterpart Ventures, I worked in the mining industry and got to know startup companies solving problems in the mining industry that were based in San Francisco, albeit not very many, but also got to know construction and built world type investors that were out there and had relationships with several of them. Those relationships led me to San Francisco. And then the relationship that I had now with my GP, one of my GPs at Counterpart Ventures eventually got me a role there, which was very privileged to have had the opportunity to and then been privileged to have seen the growth of our VC fund since the beginning of You were part of an early initiative in Perth and you were part of an early initiative when Counterpart Ventures started. Those are like yeah. truly exceptional experiences. Why do you like venture capital? Why do I like VC? I think as a venture capitalist, I'm incredibly blessed to be able to invest in exciting, innovative technology companies, in our case, software companies, SaaS businesses. And as a VC, you're blessed in that you can invest in a number of different businesses that uh, in our case is a somewhat generalist fund investing across many different verticals. I have the privilege of just seeing so many different ideas blossom and helping them grow as a VC in whichever way I can, whether that be through introducing them to potential customers or helping them make key highs in the business, thinking about a broader strategy, expanding into different markets, as I said, employing, making new key highs. It's, it's so rewarding to be able to sit on the sidelines as a VC and be able to invest in those companies. And the hope is that several of them obviously grow into big, big businesses and uh, you can sit back and say you played an integral part in that somewhat and then have the ability to continue investing over many, many years. I think it's a, a very, very rewarding role. I'm very excited and, and honored to back the founders that we do back. It's truly exciting indeed, working with founders, especially at early stages. You started your career in the startup world in Perth and you found your way to the 
capital of innovation in the world in Silicon Valley. But around the time when COVID happened, there was a big exodus and a lot of people left. And you joined that crowd and you left Silicon Valley. Why did that happen? Well, I think I left a little later than many other people. In fact, I was in San Francisco early 2021 when quite a few people were leaving as the COVID pandemic came. And uh, the initial exodus was really a case of, and I had friends that, that left, uh, wanted to that realized that, hey, we don't need to show our face in the office every day. We're going to be working remotely. This is a, a virus which is causing people to socially distance. So why don't I socially distance from a farm in Idaho or somewhere in Montana or Wyoming or Miami or Austin? A lot of VCs went to all these new and popping up ecosystems. In my case, it didn't take me until late 2022 and then uh, all of last year I was in Los Angeles to eventually you know, leave, as I said, San Francisco. The case for me was a little different, as I said, from others in the exodus, but I do think there is something to this exodus out of the Bay Area, and I'm happy to dive into that. For me personally, it was I was already traveling to Los Angeles and San Diego for events and deals, and we had a couple of portfolio companies based in LA, and I realized that, hey, I was having a lot of fun in SoCal, and I can continue to come up to the Bay Area. It's an hour flight and see the team, but it gives us an opportunity to continue investing out of SoCal, where we had some luck. We've got one portfolio company still in San Diego. I've tracked many for the last few years. One founder that we've backed a couple of times now that's here in LA as well. And I, I think this is a budding ecosystem growing very much like Perth, Western Australia. There's lots of characteristics that Perth, Southern California have. Great weather, good people, innovative, a lot of capital, albeit Perth is decades behind um, Southern California. But I think there's good opportunities here. And I think for our fund, Counterpart Ventures, we, we're pretty self-realistic. I think we can win a lot of great deals in the Bay Area, but I think we'd have a higher chance of success winning good early stage deals from founders that are based here in SoCal, um, of which there's fewer VC funds that play in this market. So that was really the reason for me relocating. In terms of an exodus out of Silicon Valley, yeah, there is a lot of truth to it. I think you see with rentals and tenancies in downtown San Francisco, a lot of vacancies popping up and people have realized that we can continue to do deals in startup companies that are based in the Bay Area, even though the VC or the fund isn't there. As long as you're within close proximity and can hop on a flight like a city like Los Angeles or San Diego, it's not too hard to be able to continue investing in Silicon Valley. So the rest of the team's still there. I'm the only one out of five of us that's here in, in Los Angeles, but uh, I do come out to the Bay Area frequently, at least once a month. Plenty of events that we're organizing and obviously companies that I've been tracking as well as, as existing portfolio companies. That was quite surprising, shockingly surprising for me when the venture capital work seamlessly transitioned to remote deal making. That was not the case. It was very important to be in the local region if you were in Silicon Valley. I remember uh, investors would insist that founders live like in a 25-mile radius from Palo Alto. And you need board approval to move the headquarters out of that zone. But very quickly, everything changed when the pandemic started and all transactions moved online. It was possible to do things on Zoom and it made it easy for people to live anywhere they wanted. So with your relocation to Southern California, Counterpart has now a second location. So Tell us a little more about Counterpart. What does Counterpart do? What stages do you invest in? What kind of sectors do you like to focus on? Yeah, and just a little more on the remote work. Look, I'm a firm believer in, in being in the office, the camaraderie associated with it, especially for an early stage software company. I think you do need to be together as often as possible. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm the wrong person I'm talking about it, but then my situation itself is that I'm working remotely, but I do 
as I said, I do try and come up at least once a month with the team and make myself as active and available as possible for my colleagues in San Francisco. And, and as a small team, we're pretty good at staying in very constant communication. You know, even throughout the holiday period that we've just gone through, I went back home to Australia for three weeks. One of my colleagues was back in India. We were all working remotely. Another one was in Mexico for the holidays. Like we still made it work. Was it ideal? Were there, were there things that we could have done differently? Maybe, but you make it work. But Counterpart Ventures, to answer your question, Gopi, so founded in 2018, the two GPs who started the fund were both former corporate venture capitalists themselves. We have created a CBC community of sorts that sits next to the fund. We're currently investing out of our second fund, a little over $110 million we raised for that. We focus on seed and series A mostly. We can do pre-seed occasionally and we can do a few later stage deals here and there. But we always invest in enterprise B2B SaaS software companies. No crypto, no exposure to Bitcoin, anything like that in the portfolio. Most of the companies have said enterprise, mid-market SaaS companies across industries like healthcare, fintech. Uh, HR tech, remote work, and a number of different verticals across enterprise software. We're helpful to our founders as a fund through this CBC community that I mentioned. So when I joined in 2018, one of the first exercises I had was to create an event that brought corporate VCs together to talk about, in an off-the-record off format, talk about all of the challenges and opportunities, but predominantly the challenges that CBC funds face. And this was an invite-only private event where we gathered about 35, 40 different corporate VCs and had a very honest, frank discussion around all of those challenges and brought in some of the seasoned and tenured CVC funds to educate some of the more emerging CVC funds on how to grapple with those. As a result of that, we realized that there's an opportunity here and we can fill this void and the void being a leadership gap that a traditional VC fund could take on educating CVC funds on best practices. And for the past five years, we continue to host more events like that, some larger and some of that size, where we'll unpack challenges that corporate VC funds face by bringing in experts, experts being tenured season CVC leaders who have navigated those challenges before to educate others on, as I said, how to grapple, how to address those problems, whether that be someone from a fund like Salesforce Ventures or Intel or Qualcomm Ventures that's been doing it for many, many years, or someone from an emerging CVC fund. Our last event, we had two emerging CVC funds come talk about how they got started. The idea is really to share best practices, lessons learned in a, a format that is conducive to good, healthy discussion and creates answers for those that are setting up a CVC fund and need assistance. Now, we don't run a CVC fund for corporates. We really, as I said, just help plot that landscape and provide answers in tough situations for emerging CVC funds. And the community's grown now, over 600 different members from all over the world, so many different industries and locations from Australia to Asia to South America and all throughout North America. This is a very different take. I don't know of any other VC firm that actively works with corporate venture groups at like hundreds of large corporations and the events that you've put together over the years is getting bigger and bigger. How does this add value to the platform and how does this help your portfolio companies, startups? Yeah, so you're right. There aren't too many VC funds that take this model that we do. There are other VC funds that work with corporates, but do take a different spin on how we do it. So first and foremost, we're our own fund. As I said, the corporate VC fund connections that we have are really advantageous for our portfolio companies. So when I'm able to sit down with a founder and introduce myself, I can thankfully boast and beat my chest and say that, hey, I have a plethora of connections to corporations all over the world that could act as potential customers for you, could act as insights, could act as partnerships, and more or less for us as well, potentially helping us diligence a deal or bring in strategic capital into a round that we perhaps could be leading. So corporates tend to be overlooked in the value that they can add to startup companies at their early stage. 
I think traditionally, CBCs have been regarded as somewhat dumb money, silly money from traditional VC funds, but that stigma has definitely gone away. The stigma was brought about by perhaps some bad actor syndrome from CBC funds of the past, again, which is almost completely washed away. I can't hear of any CBC funds these days that are putting together nefarious terms in term sheets, as I said, that's characterized CBC funds of the past. CBC funds are now in a quarter or more of every VC deal that gets done. We actively track the corporate VC fund. Every year, we conduct a big survey with Silicon Valley Bank to do so. But we're very bullish on CBC funds and we'll continue to look for ways in which we can incorporate CBCs into deals that we do and diligence companies that we're investing in. And we're as I say, very supportive of the CBC ecosystem. Yeah, over the years, the number of CBC firms have grown significantly. That number used to be maybe 100, 200 about 15 years ago. But now there are more than a couple of thousand CBC groups out there. It's become a, an important part of the venture ecosystem these days. You're right that when I was in early in my career in venture capital, I also came from the corporate venture world. The mainstream traditional VCs did not have a lot of respect for corporate ventures. And I think rightfully so, because a lot of these CVCs are here today, gone tomorrow, and they have onerous terms and they don't behave very well. They don't have like good neighborly characteristics. Their strategy changes once a while, and that completely topples the way they manage investments. It is different now. The CVC groups today are far more mature, much more informed. They're a lot more stable. There's still a lot more volatility in the CVC world than mainstream venture capital world. But I think it's a very, very different world. And it's great to see that the communities come together through the initiatives that you've created at Counterpart Ventures. Yeah. How many investments do you make on average per year at Counterpart Ventures? And at what stages do you invest in? We typically come early stage. So I'm always looking at companies that have raised less than four or five million dollars as potential investments for us if they fit the criteria that we look for. Our check size can range from as low as one million dollars and leading a pre-seed or a seed round to upwards of five million dollars and leading a series A or participating in a large series A. We can lead, we can co-lead, we can participate. We're flexible in that state. We do look for our ownership targets, but again, can be flexible. The range is quite broad. We look for category-defining companies. Obviously, like most venture capital funds, I'll survey the landscape if I look at a deal and understand who are the competitors or what's the outdated legacy technology that exists and can it be replaced with something new. Of course, AI these days is of interest to us. A lot of our companies are in that space or caught in that space and we're obviously looking for companies that can disrupt, as I said, legacy software that exists. What interests me right now, I'm spending a lot of time in the healthcare industry. As an Australian that's now lived in the U.S. for a little over five years, I think the U.S. healthcare system is very different to what I grew up with. And I think that there's a lot of room for change. And I'm investing in and interested in really disruptive technologies that can support middle-income families and, and individuals here in the U.S. And access to healthcare should be given to everyone, regardless of how much money you make. And, uh, and I think that the United States is a long way to go to catch up to other countries, well, whether it be Australia or, or other countries around the world in that sense. So I'm always looking at how can technology play a role in that. With AI now, I think there's lots of room for automation in, in manual process that exists in the healthcare industry. Navigating, I remember when I moved to the US five years ago, navigating the complex world of healthcare insurance, my mind was boggled and uh, wasn't something that I had to deal with growing up in Australia. So looking at innovative technology companies in the healthcare industry is what interests me right now. This is great. Can you give an example or two where you've invested in a company and how the CVC community was valuable to the ecosystem and how did it support your investments? 
Sure, Gopi. So one of the companies we've been invested in for quite some time is a company called Particle. It was an early investment for us out of Counterpart Ventures and, and a prior investment from uh, one of my GPs as well in his prior fund. I've known Zach Zapala, the CEO, for quite some time. Particle's an IoT device, both software and hardware. And in the mining industry and construction in particular, I helped introduce them to a number of different companies where they could place their sensor technologies and understand different characteristics of heavy equipment and machinery in the industry. So CBC funds that exist in those industries are also looking into those technologies and Particle was a nice company I could introduce them to given the nature of the business and given the technology that they'd built. Another company which we invested in roughly 12 months ago is a company called Oxide, which announced recently a very large Series A and around co-led by Intel Capital and Eclipse. We participated in that round. Oxide are reinventing on-premise storage and compute for enterprise. Fantastic company led by Brian Cantrell's CTO and Steve Tuck, CEO. I've been blessed to be an investor in that company. And given the nature of their business selling into big enterprise, the corporate VC angle is very interesting for that business. Steve has been present at our last two annual conferences in San Francisco. Thankfully, last year, we were able to bring in a demo of their big server rack, which sits 10 foot high or something like that. We managed to somehow fit that into the venue of our annual conference last year and showed that off to a number of different CVC funds. I think you were there, Gopi, last year at our annual conference. But yeah, that's a great example of innovative technology that CVC funds are very intrigued by. And as I said, Intel Capital co-led that round with Eclipse. And I think they've been actively helping the business out, as have we, with more and more introductions to corporate VC funds and finding the right different business units within the corporation to introduce them to. But as you know, right, like introducing startup companies to big enterprise is a long conversation. So as a VC fund, you've got to be patient. As a founder, you've got to be patient in those discussions. But if I can help my founders cut down what would be 10 or 15 conversation with big enterprise into one or two conversations through the connections that we have. Arguably, I think it can speed up the time that it would take them to close a potential customer. More and more customers translate to revenue. Revenue translates to growth in the business, translates to valuation growth. Everybody's happy at the end of the day. So I, as I said, I think corporates are incredibly valuable for us, incredibly valuable for our portfolio companies, and we'll continue to build a brand around what we're doing here with corporate VC funds. Well, this is great. Your annual CVC conferences are epic. I really enjoyed those conferences and I hope to make it every year in the future as well. But it's great to see the tangible value created for startups through this ecosystem. And it's a win-win for the corporate as well. So they get to get access innovation at an early stage and incorporate them into their deployment. Thanks mm -hmm. for sharing those examples. We're coming towards the end of our conversation, and I want to ask you about your community involvement. Is there a nonprofit organization you are passionate about? Which one? Yeah, so going back to when I was living in Perth, my family operated, ran a successful seafood business, and we would uh, donate to many different charities, but one that was quite close and I had the good fortune of somewhat being involved in was the Murdoch Children's Research Institute, which supported research into diseases in for young children and health in, in young children. Every year, they put on a fantastic event where executives for businesses, for the businesses that were part of this, donating to this charity, would run on a treadmill in downtown Perth and raise money for the charity. And Gopi, this was in the days when I could run a lot better than what I do right now. I'm a little uh, shaken up hips and knees wise. I can't run as, as much as I did. But back in my heyday, I used to win that competition. And it was it was great for me because the more, the more I would run, the more we would have to donate. So it was a good charity and a good initiative through this 
uh, sort of fun run. They, they used to set up treadmills downtown and everyone would have to run on this treadmill for 30 minutes. I remember one year, there were a few people from the company that dropped out. So I had to run three times. And then one of my uncles, who was an executive in the business, he made me run in the CEO part. So at the end of the day, the CEO of every company would have to go and run on this treadmill. And he pretended like I was the CEO of our family's business and I ran. So anyway, funny story, but that was one that I'm happy to support. Mikey, thank you for sharing that story. And thanks for taking time to talk to me today. It's great to see that you have flourished in your career in venture capital and mainly focused on corporate venture capital community. That is something unique and different in the ecosystem. And that's been very powerful for counterpart. It's been very powerful for the CVC organizations. I look forward to sharing your stories and your real life examples of how you transitioned from Perth to Silicon Valley to Los Angeles and share that with the world. Thank you, Gopi. Look, if there's anything folks listening in on this could learn from me, it's that, hey, no matter where you're from, in my case, Perth, Western Australia, if you want to get into the venture capital industry and you want to be involved in investing in fantastic tech companies, then there's definitely a path into it. You just have to persist. And it's a case of right timing, right opportunities, knowing the right people, but um, you know, really putting one foot in front of the other and getting onto it. So I thank you for inviting me here today, Gopi. My pleasure to be part of it and continue the great work you're doing as well, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the SureShot Entrepreneur. I hope you enjoyed listening to real-life stories about early believers supporting ambitious entrepreneurs. Please subscribe to the podcast and post a review. Your comments will help other entrepreneurs find this podcast. I look forward to catching you at the next episode.